This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. What's the definition of insanity, everyone? Well, it is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that is why we have our guest, Tabitha Laser, with us today. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and Founder of Sales Fuel. So, Tabitha, welcome to the table. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about you. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. You are an accomplished professional, extensive background in organizational culture and companies such as BP, 3M, CH2M, and others. You are a speaker, author, uh, born without a mute button. Do you want to talk about that? I was born without a filter, but I had to have one installed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, just I say what I think. I don't lie. And it, no matter how hard I try, you're going to get the honest feedback from me, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent. But that's why people will hire you. And that's what we want today as well. well. These days we call that authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. You could call it that. Some people call it annoying, but you know, whatever. (laughs) You've got a book coming out next month in March. So everybody listen up. It's called Organization Culture Killers, and it addresses how to build a path that tomorrow's leaders can follow in order to avoid the mistakes of their predecessors. And you say the number one problem that managers and leaders make is that they make the same mistakes their predecessors made. So why do, why do we do that? Is that a good first question? Why? Do, why? Yeah, I think, I think a big part of it is a lot of us learn from the school of hard knocks and we kind of cherish that learning, right? All the bruises and bumps we get along the way. And as new folks come in, I don't know if it's the ego or what it is, but we don't like to share right? We don't like to share that information. Maybe it's because as we grew up, we learned nobody listens the first time they have to learn for themselves. But by not sharing that, what, what's happening is our, our new leaders are coming in making the same mistakes. And it's great to fail, but it really stinks to fail doing the same thing somebody else failed at. We need to learn how to not fail at those things so we can fail at other things and get better. I know that when new managers come in, normally the, the first thing that they want to do is look at everything that their predecessor did and, and, and do things differently. Um, in some cases, do the opposite. Uh, and sometimes they'll change things that, they don't even, that are working fine and they really don't need to be changed. But that's, I don't know what's an ego thing or, or what it is. So how does that reconcile then with managers coming in and making the exact same mistakes as their predecessors? Yeah, so that one's really, you know, you could put ego there. But I think a lot of times it's because we do fail to learn from each other and we we're not very good at leading really especially in the US we're great at managing so leading is in, is inspiring and 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 providing people with the tools to exceed us and so as new leaders come on and they want to change everything a lot of it's because they hear the bad and they just it's almost like a knee jerk reaction right mm-hmm. we need to fix mm-hmm. it but they don't take a thoughtful approach to fixing it and often as in in the book series, uh, deadly practices ensue because they have the best intentions, but they do things that are harmful. 
I would think it would be totally obvious that if your predecessor was blown out the doors, like outright fired for performance or whatever, that you would not make the same mistakes. But I mean, is there a certain percentage or statistic you can give us about how many companies have this problem as sort of a chronic issue? Uh, I don't have any statistics off the top of my head. what you see with your Yeah, no, I, I, of all the organizations I've worked with or consulted with, or leaders that I've coached, this is an epidemic across the whole globe. That's one reason this book's going to be available globally. Um, it's so, not a one-person thing. It's it's really, and it's becoming more and more of a problem as big data and other things are out there because we're getting more visibility to information and feeling like we need to respond. Hmm. So when a, a new leader comes in and their predecessor was, you know, let go for all these horrible things, that predecessor could have been doing a lot of things great that maybe rocked the boat. And if you don't fully understand what they were doing, what was working, why they were let go, and what wasn't working, then again, you're, you're liable, you're potentially going to make the same mistakes they did. So would you recommend then for a new leader, a new manager that, that, that's coming into a role to you know, maybe take a period of time when they first get started to not make any changes, so just, just so they, they listen, they learn, and they understand first. Because it seems to me that a lot of new managers, when, when they come into the jobs, they, they feel compelled almost to put their stamp on things immediately. And I'm not so sure that's the best move. No, no, it's not at all. In fact, one of the, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, we have this whole thought around audits being negative. The truth is, if you change that mindset to gap assessment, right? So you go in and assess the situation you're in, assess how it compares to your definition of success. Do you even define success, what that is for you and the organization? And you do that gap assessment in a positive way, that will help you understand where your risks are, where your efforts need to be, where you need to prioritize, where you need to put resources. And we don't do that, right? New leaders come in, they have their ideas, they just jump because they need to make, they're being pressured to make changes quickly. And that goes to the senior leadership to where we need to be able to do those gap assessments. And then we also need to be able to hook up with mentors that can help us no matter what level you're at. Even C-suite folks need mentors. And the day they don't is the day they start sending text messages and, and uh, different social media posts that aren't appropriate, right? They need somebody to bounce ideas off of and help make sure they stay on a good path. How you, uh, I had written down um, gap assessment in my notes uh, for show prep. You do gap assessments for your clients. What's a typical one in terms of time commitment for a new leader coming in? It, you know, it, it really depends on what level they're at and what their scope is. So if they're a small organization, I'd recommend the OPALS, the Operating and Performing All-Inclusive Leadership System Gap Assessment from a high level just to see what's there and where their gaps are, because what they're told isn't necessarily what's true. Um, if they're a large organization trying to get a feel for what's going on actually in the field, versus what they're told at corporate. You'd want a more comprehensive gap assessment, and I also recommend putting culture assessments in with that, because there you'll see, you'll see clearly where the system issues are up at, up at the top level mm -hmm. versus at the bottom, and where 
quick to point the finger at it's the employee's fault, it's the manager's fault. Um, an example, Texas City, I mean, they've, they let go before they, BP sold it off. They let go of so many managers saying, you know, poor management. But if you really dig in there, which I did real, relatively quickly, um, it was a union-run environment. And there was some corrupt things going on with the union. And the management's hands were tied. No matter who, you could brought the best manager in the world in or best leader in the world, but there were other things leading to their failures. So as a leader or as a manager, how do you go about developing your own leaders? How do I go about it? Yeah, I mean, what so, kind of advice would you give, to, give to, to leadership who wants to grow and develop their own leaders from within rather, rather than having to go outside all the time? Yeah, so that's, that's, I think, part of another epidemic that we have a problem with is we don't develop leaders well. I've gone through, I don't know how many leadership training programs and didn't learn anything, right? They told me what my behavior attributes were, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it didn't help me lead better. And as I've, I've looked into it more, we don't. We, we really don't train leaders. Most leaders that we have are either from the military, which come out with a very command and control kind of mentality, which is not working with the millennial group at all, right? Or they're just natural born leaders who were, who were basically raised into it um, because they had to for whatever reason. And it's a huge gap. It's a huge gap, not just in the U.S., but in other places. And that's one reason I'm developing the book series. As I, as I was putting it together, I was interviewing CEOs, <clears throat> government leaders, subject matter experts from around the world. And time and time again, they, were, they would say things like, I can't believe this hasn't been done yet. Hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so needed. Um, initially, I was making it for existing leaders and learned, you know, a lot of them are already set in their ways. Mm-hmm. It, but the future leaders have a huge opportunity to come in with the toolbox and be able to hit the ground running faster which will make the companies more successful or government organizations more successful. And uh, it'll build a better future. Who have you interviewed that's doing it right? Who have I interviewed that's doing it right? You know, that is a great question. Um, I can say from my experience, uh, when when I worked with 3M, it was my first real, real job out of college. And sure, they had lots of problems and deadly practices in play. But one thing they did well was develop their people. So they took the time initially, every single employee went through it, like, I believe it was a two week orientation, not just filling out paperwork, but learning what the expectations were for success, what, you know, what you were expected to do. And then they also had a multi-month program where you did hands-on in different departments, depending on your roles. And they really fostered a good culture. They focused on the people and the culture. And that was before, I'm not going to age myself here, but that was before culture was even like a buzzword. So I think that's why I've been so successful is because I had that early on and I'd had experiences before that to know, wow, this is way better. (laughs) And then I was able to go forward and see that many, many did not. So, um, 
yeah, I, I can't say I've seen many do it well. A lot of them tout that they do do it well. We're the best at this. We have the best culture. Um, but when you, when you dig into it and assess it, you'll find so many deadly practices at play that it's really just a ticking time bomb. What um, you referenced not to kill company culture. So if you come in and you're new and uh, don't blow it up, but what are some best practices to gently modify it that might help you avoid repeating mistakes? Yeah. So again, start with a gap assessment, right? Uh, Do a culture assessment. And when I say that, I don't want to offend any, anybody who has these programs, but the online culture assessments that we do now are not, are not the best tools because they remove the person from the process and we're people and we need relationships. So when you're doing a culture assessment, that hands-on face-to-face approach, one, it's more honest and and two, any online thing, people feel like, um, you know, I've got an IP address, they can track me. I can't put the real honest truth right? So going in, gap assessing, understanding your culture, then you know where your gaps are, looking at the risks to the business, and and sitting down and, and really thinking through a balanced approach for your business plan. You know, what, and that, again, goes with governments as well, right? And, mm-hmm. and we get, as we get senators and governors and et cetera in those roles, they really need to take the time to understand what they're walking into and that's something I practice, actually. When I start somewhere, I spend a couple months actually just learning what are the expectations. A lot of times they're not clear at all. I spend months just trying to figure out what they are. Um, what are those expectations? What's really being done? Where can I add the most impact to help the, business, the, the organization succeed? We've referenced uh, repeating the same mistakes over and over again. So what mistakes do you see are, are, are remade most commonly in your work? Oh, I don't even know where to start. Like with the books, <laughs> I, I originally, yeah, I originally started the, I was going to write one book and then I started pulling all my notes together and it was going to be the, the, then it was a trilogy and now it's a series. <laughs> right. like Star Wars, it'll go on forever. Yes. Right. It's like the stand, it, it would put the stand Very to shame. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Even oh wait, yeah. Tabitha, you're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? No. Yeah, lightsaber <laughs> in a robe on the next book cover. Yeah. You know, I, no, I, I got another story on that. I actually did that with my culture once and made them all the Jedi the training with the, the managers that didn't have leadership skills. And I, I I gave them all Jedi bodies. It was fun. Oh. <laughs> so kind of awesome. tied in there. But uh, but yeah, so what are the most common? Sorry, I got derailed. Um, yeah, most just common a mistakes that get re, get remade by managers. The the absolute most common mistakes I see are that they don't clearly define their expectations, and they change their mind. So that that flavor of the day, right? We we let ourselves be influenced by external powers that be, versus sticking to what our expectations are and how we're going to go to get there. And a lot of folks, they fail once and they go, oh, it's horrible. Let's do something different. Versus, so small sample size, yeah. Yeah, instead of looking at it failed, why did it fail? How can we do it better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's some of the biggest mistakes. You get in and you just knee-jerk reaction and you just start running and gunning and you don't really make thoughtful decisions 
um, based on the risk uh, and the impacts that those risks pose. Yeah, I have a question about the culture check. Because if somebody, if Lee hauled me into a conference room and said, all right, I want you to talk about our company culture. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? I, I feel like face to face, I might not be as transparent because I don't, I don't know. It would right. be awkward. And do you really find that that's a better way to go at it? Are people really brutally honest? Like no, no mute button and no filtery. Oh, no, we're talking not. about that. <laughs> no, they're not. And that's, that's one reason um, when go, it, there's, there's so much leadership development we need to do. Right. So um, actually educating our leaders how to do observations and coaching and listen, right? Uh, you'd be surprised how many times I go out, you know, I'm a third party, but I'll go out and do a culture assessment and a gap assessment. And the first two, like if I go for a week to a site, the first two days, it's zip lip. Nobody's talking to me. Yeah, right. You say you're here and it's a positive thing and we've seen different. And it's not till I physically go out. Like I've climbed wind towers, 23 stories up. And sat up there, by the way, with no restroom for women. <laughs> There's holes for men, but no restrooms for women. And I sat up there and worked with them. And you'd be surprised how much honest feedback you get when you relate to folks and you're not constantly looking for the negative. Just like children, you know, you need 5.9, I round up to six positives for every one negative. But what do we do? In our lives, I mean, just what do we do? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, one aw shit equals ten thousand attaboys. Yeah, <laughs> you only remember the one aw shit, and you never remember the compliments. Yeah, you focus yeah, but, on the negative. But we, the aw shits, we give so much more. So yes. that's why we focus on it, and that's mm -hmm. why we seem to be in this downward cycle that's not getting better. And in order to get better, we have to recognize the problem or the elephant in the room for what it is and address it and start changing the way we approach people. Audits have to go away. I think audits should die. I think you mean like the, the annual performance review? Any, uh, well, you know, I actually like performance reviews if they're based on leading indicators, which mm -hmm. are things that I actually have control over. Yeah, so when I have a but they're not. Yeah, when I have a performance review that says, you did awesome and you did these things and you rocked the world, and then I turn around and I get a meets expectations, I don't want to work for that company anymore. You've demotivated mm -hmm. me. I have no value. I gave you all the gold I had and you gave me a bag of crap for it. So this, we, we demotivate our staff with things when we don't mm -hmm. approach them the right way. How do you overcome people that say, oh, we've tried that before. We, we've, we, they've asked us these questions. We've given them our feedback and nothing ever seems to happen with it or whatever. So I'm going to take my toys and go home. I mean, how do you overcome that to get people to open up to you again? Yeah, so I guess I've got the girl next door kind of vibe, but I'm just honest with them. I know this is a this has been an issue. That's one reason I'm here. Um, we're going to try to collect as much information as we can so we can convince them where resources need to be put. You know, if you have an issue and it's not an issue anywhere else, then Maybe it is something we need to deal with on how can you impact. Maybe it's it. your issue. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sometimes a lot of folks look and blame other people, including the line workers, right? When it's actually something they need to, they need to do something about. How do they change their world? And that's something along the journey, if in the book, 
when you read the journey I'm on to create cultures, build cultures of success, that's trying to motivate and inspire people to look in the mirror and stop blaming others and say, how can I make an impact? What can I do? Instead of pointing fingers saying, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this, what can I do differently to actually make a difference? It's a heck of a lot easier to change ourselves than it is to try to change other people's minds and other people's behavior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your website is TA Laser, it's like laser beam. I know you probably get that all the time. <laughs> TALaser.com with Lee Smith sound effects inserted. For your listening pleasure. Right. Yeah, uh, laser with an S. People remember laser tag and try to do it with a Z. It's laser with an S. Pew, pew, pew. Okay. Uh, Twitter handle Tabitha A Laser. I have to ask as an A name, Audrey, what's your middle name? Anne. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Well, good. I was hoping you'd say Audrey, but yeah, that's good. Um, so talk about, the, they can get the book and hire you for speaking or consulting. The website's excellent. So I encourage everybody to go there or tweet at Tabitha. And um, obviously you're on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Yes. Um, and what is the website address, Audrey? It's T-A-Laser.com. It's awesome. So, Tabitha, what a pleasure. Good luck Thank with the you. book and everything and food for thought for everyone. We're so glad you came on the show. And obviously, the C-Suite Network is a great uh, group of listeners as well. I'm sure they'll eat this up with a spoon. So, Great. Well, thanks for having me. It was, it was a great experience. Thank you, Tabitha. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.